0: Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and from across the Living Faith Fellowship. Uh, Every week, we're talking about different topics, different subject matter uh, related to LFBI, related to the things that you're learning in uh, the LFBI classroom setting, uh, issues of ministry and theology, missions. Uh, all kinds of things, uh, and one of the things that we talk about quite frequently is discipleship. We have you know, many episodes in the archive of the Postscript that deal with the, the topic of discipleship, and that's because discipleship, we believe, is so important, so critical uh, to what the church does. Now, we hear uh, you know, people talking about discipleship in cultural Christianity quite often, so we're not the only ones that are talking about it. We don't have the, the market cornered on discipleship, and, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of chatter about discipleship, and oftentimes, I'm not sure, personally, uh, whether or not we know what we mean when we say the word discipleship. Uh, or, or whether or not what we're calling discipleship is actually uh, the most biblical model available to us. And there's evidence of that. There's evidence of that in the church, in the contemporary church today. In 2007, the Baylor Religion Survey Group at Baylor University said only 8% of regular church attenders believe that sharing their faith is very important. Only 8% of Christians uh, believe that sharing their faith is important. Now, sharing our faith is a tenet of Christianity, okay? The, the, the Living out the Great Commission is critical for Bible believers. Now, why is it that so few people believe that it's important that they share their faith? Uh, and I think that the issue points back to the fact that the church is failing to disciple people the way that they should. The evidence is pointing uh, to the fact that despite discipleship's popularity in terms of rhetoric, Uh, We're not actually, the church uh, in America in the West is not doing a wonderful job of making the investment necessary to to properly disciple people and to raise them up in their faith. Now, for today's conversation, uh, one of my best friends and uh, co-worker here at Midtown Baptist Temple, Kenny Morgan, Pastor Kenny Morgan, is with us. Uh, He is the discipleship pastor at Midtown Baptist Temple, and he is also the chair of the foundations department here at LFBI. And he's spent years of his life thinking about, teaching about, and practicing discipleship. And so he is a qualified person to talk to you about this idea of discipleship and how it's implemented into the church, which is what we're going to discuss today. So thanks, Kenny, for being here, man.
1: Thanks again for having me. I'm uh, smiling when you say I'm one of your best friends. That's a a compliment. That's uh, something I don't take lightly.
0: Well, man, dude, I mean it. Discipleship is your whole life like it's 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 all you think about when you when kenny morgan falls (laughs) asleep at night he is dreaming about discipleship discipleship tactics um you know ways in which we're we, we need to improve what we're doing um tell us why you believe that the contemporary church uh and their view of discipleship is broken um what is it that's not working? Why is it that, that statistics like that exist? Why is it that people are falling out of faith? Why is it that people are failing to share their faith and to live it out daily? Why is it that the character of the church is constantly eroding over time? We're talking about discipleship a lot, but there has to be something broken about what we're doing. Can you, can you tell us what you think that is?
1: Yeah, to your point, you know, I do give a lot of time and attention to you know, prayer <laughs> to discipleship, it's a, it's a very, very tall order. Uh, It's a, it's a massive ministry Mm -hmm. for me personally, for us as a church, you know, as imperfect as we are, we're, you know, we're going to be lacking in different areas in our church and not do some things as well as others. But that is the one area that we can't drop the ball. We, 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 we can't fail there. And I know that, Mm -hmm. and that's never far from my mind, from my heart. So, Over the years, I've had the opportunity, and I would even say the privilege to speak to a number of pastors and leaders in different churches. And you know, I've read a lot of books and Mm -hmm. blogs and and all of that about discipleship. And so over time, you begin to compile just some observations, some things that you begin to notice and and pay attention to and and ultimately learn from yourself, Mm -hmm. right, in terms of what to do, what not to do. But in terms of the question you're asking – I think one of the things that I, I've come to, to recognize about this is that this is very subtle, but it is it is as real as it is subtle. But there seems to be a disconnect between, you know, discipleship in the gospels versus discipleship in the epistles. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is, is over time, as as pastors and leaders become doctrinally astute, we can get really good in terms of how we dismiss ourselves from certain things or or give ourselves an out. So what that looks like is somehow discipleship in the gospels will cost you everything, but discipleship under Paul in the epistles is not as expensive. Hmm. That, that, that's just, and just, I've kind of pieced that together through a lot of different discussions. The problem with that is, that mindset or that approach it falls apart in romans 12 1. yeah because if i read that correctly we're to be living sacrifices right, right i don't know how you can be a living sacrifice and that costs you anything less mm-hmm. than your life yeah which is the message of discipleship in the gospels so i i, I don't I, I don't see the i, I, I can't I, justify that it's it's cheaper in the epistles right. than
0: the gospels well i look at the example of timothy as a young man, right. what he gave up to just follow Paul and sure. to be his disciple. And I mean, one of the, the very first acts of his mm-hmm. discipleship uh, is his foreskin. right? Um, and that was for the sake of the mission. And that sure. was for the sake of following a, a master in a master-apprentice relationship right. in order to learn what it means to be a minister of the gospel. And so you can't look at Paul's ministry to men like Timothy or Titus or Apollos or Aquila and Priscilla, the way that they function in ministry and say that that was somehow cheap. Right. It, it was not. Well,
1: something you and I have discussed, and and I think it's it's very much on point with this is, I mean, can you imagine what was going through... You know Timothy's mother. What was going through her mind? Oh my gosh! When her son now is going with this guy, and wait a minute, what what just happened? Not that long ago.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the same
1: guy who was stoned to the point I thought he was dead, and now my son's going to go with him. I mean, it's. I mean, she would have had to have done the math that would have said, you know what? I may never see him again. Right. Right.
0: That's that's discipleship. That's, That's costly discipleship. Yes, it is. And so, you know, you mentioned this idea. We've talked about this idea of, of a cheapening of discipleship. Yes. Um, we, the, the church has a tendency to make things more accessible and, and more convenient and easier for their members. Mm. And so a church that, that espouses discipleship uh, could also be undermining um, the value or the potency mm. of discipleship in the life of their congregation, maybe even unintentionally, sure, un- unknowingly. Sure. How do you see that manifest itself? like when you when you look at church in general and you see that that pastors are struggling to actually get real and meaningful uh, traction with discipleship, or if if discipleships become programmatic, or if discipleship has become um, optional within the body, mm-hmm. within that church, how how do they get there? What are some of the mistakes that they're making? What is the perspective shift that needs to take place?
1: I think one of the things that happens is, is I think pastors and leaders can come face to face with the realities of true discipleship Mm -hmm. and see how bold and unapologetic Christ was about it Mm -hmm. and how he presented it. We talk about Luke 14, the cost of discipleship and, and other places in the gospels and I think the, the the typical pastor is going to have a you know a decent pulse on on his congregation spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I think what comes out of that sometimes is just fear. Mm-hmm. If I stand up and I present these terms as they are presented in scripture, the people can't handle this.
0: Mm.
1: I mean we see this in John chapter 6, right? He says some hard things and from that moment on there were some who said, well, actually it was many. Yeah of his so-called disciples said, I'm done. I'm not walking with you anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at the the cost of discipleship as we see it in Luke 14, and you look at the massive crowd that he gave that to. You would have had everyone there from every stage and walk of life. And he had one message to all of them. Mm -hmm. This is what it looks like to be a disciple. If you're gonna be a disciple of mine, here's the cost, here are the terms. And didn't apologize. He just yeah. presented it as, yeah. as truth. And so I think for some pastors, there's a fear that if I hold my congregation to this discipleship bar, we're gonna lose some of these people. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a hard, these are some hard things to say. These are some hard things for people to wrestle with and consider and ultimately embrace. But the reality is, you're not going to make disciples indeed true disciples without holding to the biblical bar of discipleship. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can do it.
0: Yeah. And so you're saying they're unwilling to give up their their church attenders uh, for the sake of discipleship. Because if you're saying that this is the standard mm-hmm. by which our church is going to follow Christ, mm-hmm. um, that might be too much for people to swallow. It might be, it might be, you know, Difficult for them to get their head around, and in time they may not be willing to buy in. They they might like church the way that it was, you sure. Know? And and that's a difficult thing for. a It seems inordinate, maybe, right? For a pastor who's looking at the way we perceive discipleship, the way we understand discipleship, our philosophy, they look at it and they say to themselves, "Well, I see that, and I see that that's working for you, and that's right. good. But it does <laughs> seem a little radical, doesn't it? Sure. Seem a little radical? I mean, I hear that quite often." Uh, when people are looking at the way we do discipleship, um, can you talk about our discipleship philosophy and explain why so many people might perceive it as radical, despite the fact that we just we just think it's biblical? Sure. But, but explain what it is that seems so radical to pastors when they're looking at it, and why why they might not want to implement discipleship the way that we do sure. in, in our fellowship of churches. Sure.
1: Well, I think one of the things that, that, you, that you touched on in the very beginning of, of this discussion, you, you talked about how, how few people you know, actually evangelize, preach mm-hmm. the gospel. And that's what you get when you negotiate or you lower the bar when it comes to discipleship. Yeah. You get a culture where it is tolerated, if not endorsed, that you can somehow call yourself a disciple or think that you are. And you never and you never evangelize. Mm-hmm. And I mean that's that's not even radical. Like it's yeah. but what it comes down to is you know, in this in this Laodicean age that we find ourselves in, comfort is one of the altars that people bow to. Yeah. And if it's not comfortable, then that means I don't have to do it. I get to excuse myself from it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, in terms of our approach that we take to discipleship, I think that's where, for some, it is perceived as radical. I think we would say it's reasonable, according to Romans 12.1. Mm-hmm. It's our reasonable service that we lay our lives down to the glory of God serving him, and we know what, what he desires. He's given us a great commission, and it's going to take our very lives to make full proof of it. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to do that, if we're going to make disciples indeed, if we're going to be a true discipleship culture, then we have to be a culture of accountability. Mm -hmm. We have to hold believers to the biblical standard of being disciples, indeed, true disciples. So we don't apologize for it. We don't back away from it. We don't negotiate the terms. These are the terms. And in the power of the holy spirit through god's word we all have the ability to pay that cost. Mm-hmm. We can lay our lives down being disciples indeed and making them again i think for for some people and and i would even say for 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 me i think for you sometimes those accountable discussions are hard. Yeah. They're hard to have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, when when you're discipling someone and and they're not thinking, speaking, and walking like a disciple indeed, and you're seeing this pattern emerge or develop in their life that is carnal and not to the glory of God, well, you have to address that. Right. You you, you don't get to not address it. And I think for some people, that's just uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But again, what's the goal? Is the goal comfort or consecration? according to Romans 12, 1, the goal must be consecration. So if it's consecration, then we're going to be willing to do whatever we have to do to ensure that we're making something to the glory of God, that we're making disciples indeed, not something else that we get to call that.
0: Yeah. And so I think associated with the cost— is the allocation of resource, investment of time, and even the approach that we take. And so when we do discipleship, what we mean is that we are taking uh, leaders in our church, uh, we are taking their time, uh, their knowledge set, their experience, and we're allowing them to invest uh, that time and energy into a younger believer for nine to 12 months. Uh, That becomes a priority in their ministry life Right. uh it may supersede other things other good things sure. uh you know it may affect uh, people's involvement in the choir or the hospitality team or areas of ministry that we would see oh this person is equipped for that and and we want, you know um the volunt- we need the volunteer power hmm. well we believe that, that 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 resource that individual is better suited for devoting that energy and that time into a relationship right and I think that's a hard thing for people to swallow too, is the way in which we employ people to serve the Lord looks different and it may impact uh, some of the more um, visible ministries of the church.
1: Sure, sure. So discipleship is, it's, it's, it's mutually expensive, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's expensive to the, the disciple, the pupil, the student, and it is as expensive, and even more for the teacher, the discipler, mm-hmm. the mentor. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 no, it's not cheap for anyone, right. right? And so that it's it's a very so discipleship, and we talk about this a lot, particularly, in in our training modules here, foundations two and three in particular, where mm-hmm. it's very focused on leadership equipping, like that. That's the environment there, right? But one of the things that, 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 we, that we drive there is the fact that it's, it's going to cost you everything to not just be a disciple indeed, but it's going to cost you everything to make one. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to be your life. Yeah. But, but that's what we've been called to do, and, and there, there's nothing else to do or give ourselves to than that. But is it, is it, is it convenient all the time? No. Is it comfortable all the time? Of course not. It wasn't comfortable for Christ. Right. How can it be comfortable for us and convenient for us all the time? But but that's the mission, and and that's what we give ourselves to.
0: So, you know, the alternative to that is for someone to say, well, we want to have discipleship. We just want it to look a different way. And True. so they might call their Sunday school, you know, a, a form of discipleship. And we wouldn't take anything away from that. Mm-hmm. I mean, because obviously we do think discipleship is happening in any time the word of God is being opened, discipleship is taking sure. place. Uh, but we do believe that in our in our church and the Living Faith Fellowship churches as a whole believe that every member is a minister, right. and that means that every every person in a church, every member of the church, ought to be discipled. That's that's an expectation, and that's what we invite people into sure. when they become new members of our church, or they've been around for any length of time. We are very quickly inviting them into. Uh, the cost of discipleship class right. so that they can make that choice and, and they can make that decision to move forward. That, that's a big deal. And a lot of churches and a lot of pastors aren't willing to go that far um, for, I guess, for all the reasons maybe that you mentioned before.
1: So one of the things that is, is foundational in, in this particular area of our discussion is that discipleship is very parental in scope. Mm-hmm. So I'm a father, so are you. You and I know what goes into training up our children in the way that they should go. Yeah. That's a very deliberate, intentional investment. We're not slack at that. We understand how critical that is. It's everything to their spiritual health, growth, and development. Well, spiritually speaking, discipleship is no different. Mm -hmm. It is that intense. It is that intentional. It's everything you got. To ensure that this person is going in the way they should go, and that's what we do when someone comes to faith in Christ. The training up process is discipleship. Yeah. We're training them in the way they should go. Mm-hmm. There's only one way to do that, and that's 100% everything you got to ensure that that happens to the glory of God.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it's true that that it, when discipleship's done right, you've gained a member of your family. Um, you 're giving them time you 're sharing life they 're following you around in ministry they 're observing you they 're observing the way you interact with people right. uh, you know we we don't have the privilege perhaps to live the way Christ lived with his disciples or Paul mm-hmm. with his where we just set up camp and we we live together and dwell together sure. you know um, you know that would be the exception but we do have to recognize that it is going to take and perhaps uh, an inordinate amount of, of time and energy uh, where people are coming into your home and you're meeting up them with them with regularity. You're praying for them, you're counseling them. You are devoting uh, a piece of your life and uh, it has to have, in order for anyone to, to devote themselves or consecrate themselves to that level, you have to understand and believe that there's value in it.
1: Oh, you absolutely do. Yeah. And what you give to it shows what you think of it or the value you've placed on it. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that is, is very critical to, to point out here is that, you know, our culture is very microwavable. Everything is instant. Everything is quick. You know, you can, you can, you can pop a dinner in the microwave and hit a button and three seconds later, you got a hot meal, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Discipleship is not only is it not cheap, but it's, it's not fast either. No. It takes time to make a disciple. Mm -hmm. It takes a deliberate investment over time to make a disciple. You're not going to get a disciple in three weeks or three minutes. That's not no. how that works. Or
0: once a week on a Sunday in a pew. Exactly. Like that doesn't. That is not discipleship. That is a. That is a construct that we use to perform the function of the local church. Right. But it does not meet the needs of an individual to become a disciple.
1: You're exactly right, and I think back to you know the, one of the questions you had earlier in terms of just. How some might struggle with our approach or or maybe our our zeal mm-hmm. in terms of how how we go about it, one of the things that I have seen over the years in 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 dealing with churches going on discipleship trips where we've presented discipleship to churches that're looking to implement it is once they realize the cost mm-hmm. to make a disciple or to make disciples, they look for something else, yeah. Like, well, that sounds great. I but what they were really looking for was some type of lightning in a bottle,
2: mm-hmm.
1: where I want you guys to come and show us a shortcut, something you've found that we haven't found. Maybe it's in this workbook that you have. It yeah. looks so great. Yeah. Maybe if we, you know, go through that, uh, that'll get us where we need to be. But no, it's 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 one person at a time. One meeting at a time, one prayer at a time, one conversation at a time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes and goes and goes. It's it's the the volume of text messages, the the amount of prayers that that you're on your knees sending up. I mean, yeah. all that goes into parenting goes into making a disciple, and I think for some people, it's just too expensive. Yeah,
0: you mentioned uh, the the appeal of a program. You know, the lessons they see the book, they sure. see the book, they see. The glossy cover. They think to themselves, "Oh, well, okay. If I employed this set of lessons, and we do the program thing, discipleship, um, then that that must be it. That that's the way that it works." Explain why we have the lessons. Explain the value of the lessons and the the intent that they they push someone towards end goals. Sure, there are objectives. Uh, there are teachings that someone needs to have in order to get them to a place where they're functioning as a minister under the authority of God's word. Sure. Explain the relationship between those things and maybe dispel the notion of the program.
1: Sure. So in terms of the lessons themselves, the lessons are there to establish the, the, the believer, the growing, developing disciple at this point, is to give them a solid doctrinal foundation. Mm-hmm. That's critical. Mm-hmm. This is a foundation that they're going to stand and build on for the rest of their Christian life. So it's just like a house, yeah. right? If the foundation is is not solid, the house won't stand. Mm-hmm. So we can't make a disciple except they get established in the word of God. They have to that has to happen in order for right. us to do that, right? But then the goals, the goals are Biblical, but they're also objective. So when we see them established in the goals, that tells us whether or not we've made a disciple.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? If if we don't if we don't pay attention to the goals, if, if if that's insignificant, then we'll never really know if we've made a disciple. Yeah. And so one of the things that I, I've always appreciated about the process. Which and that's one of the the the, the wonderful things about time. You you talked about you know it takes nine to twelve months here, and it does. It is amazing to me to see where someone is at in that first meeting. You know they're not established in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. They they don't really know the Bible that well, and you know they're they're just trying to find the books of the Bible and things like that. Till you get to the midpoint, and you say, okay, let's turn to the Book of Job, and they can turn to the Book of Job Mm -hmm. just like that. Yeah. And then you you, you are listening to their speech and you're noticing that their speech is more biblical Mm -hmm. and and you're listening to to how they're working through things and how God's word is becoming essential and foundational in their heart and in their mind. You can see when someone is actually getting established in the word of God. Mm -hmm. You can watch them as they begin to build relationships with believers in the church where these aren't people that just sit in a room with them. These are people that they love. These mm-hmm. are people they want to spend time with. Their church is not a place that they just, you know, punch their spiritual clock. They love this place. Yeah.
0: They love God's church. Yeah. So, th- with this in mind, it, tell us how the goals themselves are guideposts to transformation. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute.
2: My name is Man Kit Ho. I'm from Hong Kong and I'm involved in international student ministry and I'm preparing for the mission field. LFBI has been a great tool that helps me to study the Bible with certainty that I know what the Bible said for myself and not just for that, that when I preach the gospel or Uh, doing Bible study or um, Teaching that I can teach with confidence. This is what the Word of God said Instead of just someone say so-and-so said On the mission field, there's many people that have never heard about Jesus Christ And if I'm I don't know what the Bible said when they ask questions about who is Jesus or what the gospel said all I can say is like I think in this way, but I cannot say Um, This is what what the Word of God said. So in terms of mission field when people ask me questions about Jesus I can point. This is what the Bible said with certainty
0: To enroll for classes visit lfbi.org to support LFBI. Please visit lfbi.org support Nick Welcome to the show Thanks for having me, man. This week, I have the privilege of interviewing Jessica Makona.
2: They say Naguyen, Nagayan. <laughs> and they would end up talking about the Bible. They'd be falling asleep on the couch, and I'd be like, You're not done. Wake up. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what happens next. This is one of the first times I've ever been to a church service in my life. I'm 22 years old. Somebody came up on stage and shared the gospel, and I heard it. I had ears to hear it in that moment. Uh, I want to trust God for my um, disciple to grow and make more disciples.
0: Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, host of The Postscript and provost at Living Faith Bible Institute. I wanna announce a new show from LFBI called The Postscript Shorts, you know, like a short story, where we take time with students from the school to hear their testimonies of salvation and discipleship and all of the amazing and miraculous things that God is doing in the lives of our students. Our students represent a wide range of ethnicities and ages, but most importantly, a wide range of ministries and local churches all around the world, and we want to introduce you to them. So if you want to be edified and challenged, join us every other Wednesday for the Postscript Shorts. And now back to the show. Explain to us what the goals are mm-hmm. and and why they function to tell you the discipler, whether or not this person is actually actually growing in their sanctification and sure. c- and commitment to the mission itself
1: that's uh we 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 could we could spend the whole yeah you know discussion on that at a high level and, and I'll just uh we'll, we'll we'll do a flyover approach but but starting with the first one, it's everything it's everything to God, it's got to be everything to to me as a discipler and my heart is to see it become everything to this person that I'm very privileged to disciple, Mm -hmm. but being established in worship because that is the sole reason for their existence. Mm -hmm.
0: And we don't mean just praise and worship.
1: Yes. We mean worship as a lifestyle. Absolutely. We're talking Genesis 22 worship where it's mentioned for the first time. Mm -hmm. I don't get the impression that Abraham was thinking about singing (laughs) when that's mentioned. Yeah, True worship, Takes place in the context of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. That's where it happens. Romans chapter 12. Here we go. Romans 12, 1. There it is. That's why that's everything. Because you want to see them. And and when you're watching this, this is beautiful because you know that God is glorified.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: When you're watching this person and their heart now is to do whatever brings pleasure, honor, and glory to God. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Okay, so now even even if that means that I have to sacrifice something, mm-hmm. or I have to sacrifice someone, I've got to let someone a job, go or a relationship, whatever it might be, yeah, yeah,
0: whatever it might be that gets in the way, that pleases the Lord, yeah,
1: and so it's gone, yeah, and so if if you if you don't get there, so here we go again. Let's come back to, you know, why so many people don't evangelize. Well, it's uncomfortable, right? I mean, just to... Whether it's a, a cold call or even the guy I sit next to in my cubicle, you know, five days a week. Mm-hmm. Well, we can talk about the Chiefs or we can talk about the NBA playoffs, but boy, if I mention Christ, that's gonna get awkward. Mm-hmm. Well, when they're getting established in worship, wait a minute. I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. I've been given the ministry of reconciliation. The option to not preach the gospel is not an option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, if Joe over here is going to look at me sideways or awkward from here on out because I talk to him about Christ, then so be it. Right. As long as God the Father is pleased, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Right. Yeah. So, establish in the Word of God, you know, these last two years, two and a half years now have been very challenging. You know, we, we, we've had the pandemic, we've had social issues, political issues, all of that and you know midtown as a church not everything was perfect but i will say this by god's grace we weathered the storm yeah. extremely well yeah. why because when you have a discipleship culture disciples indeed are built for hardship yeah they are able and they will endure hardness as good soldiers of jesus christ because they're true disciples mm-hmm. and that's what they do they're gonna hold to the word of God that they're established yeah, in. It's their, so as their anchor, that's their anchor. Yeah. So as we're going through all these things, and there's all this nonsense on TV and people are, you know, whatever's going on, uh, as a as a people here at MBT, uh, the heartbeat is is what does the Bible say? Yeah, uh, that's it. it. It doesn't matter what 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 the television says or what my neighbor says or what my culture says. What does the Bible say? Yeah. Then that's how I'm going to think, that's how I'm going to speak. That's how I'm going to respond in all this, right? Mm-hmm. And then the 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 you know being established in 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 the in the local church. You know, Paul said something to Timothy that I think is just explosive in 1 Timothy 3:15. I mean, I think it's massive when it comes to the local church. And We're talking about something that so many people today, once again, call themselves disciples but have such a low view on the church. Paul says that the church of the living God is the ground and pillar of the truth. Mm -hmm. If that's true, well, then what does that say about the the significance and how critical it is for this person to be established in the local church? It's everything, right, to their spiritual health and growth. And then finally— you know, this is the capstone of the first goal. You know, we talk about being established in worship, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now we want to see them established in ministry. Well, now if I'm established in worship and my life is all about being a Romans 12, 1 believer, I'm a living sacrifice. Well, then I'm, <laughs> I'm God's servant. Yeah. My, I, so here, here and, and this is, this is the beauty of it. And I mean, this is fantastic. I mean, this, this lights me up like a Christmas tree. And that might sound corny, but that's all I got right now in the moment. Okay. I don't have a script. But this is beautiful, okay? True servants, true ministers only have one expectation, and that's to serve.
0: Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah.
1: That's to serve.
0: Yeah. The title minister means servant. Yes,
1: it does. Yeah. Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but mm-hmm. to to minister and give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve and die. Yeah. that's It's that simple. So when we see someone established in worship or and now in ministry, mm-hmm. that's how they think. That's how they roll. When they walk through these doors, no one owes them anything. They owe everybody right. everything. Right.
0: Which is, again— that along with a lot of the other things you said are counterintuitive to the way that Christians think today. Because so many of us, even if we're unwilling to admit it or confess it out loud, verbalize it, if you will, so many of us, when we go to church, we're looking to be served. Mm -hmm. And so what discipleship does with the guideposts in mind, with the doctrines that are being taught in mind, with the sacrifice and the commitment that's being made by these two individuals, what we're doing is we're trying to turn uh, the cultural Christianity thing on its head And get back to what we see uh, as being true in scripture. Yes. True of the men and women in the first century Mm -hmm. as they followed Christ, as they were willing to give their lives. That is what our world needs from Christianity today. It doesn't need one more pew sitter. Right. It doesn't need one more tither. It doesn't need one more person to, to cheer on a missionary from afar. We need people who are transformed into missionaries, and that only comes through discipleship.
1: Absolutely, and you know one of the things that you know is a reality for us if we're if we're paying attention is that you know America. It breaks my heart to 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 say this, but America has become a mission field.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean that that is at a at a minimum that's nauseating. At a minimum,
0: nauseating because for so long, uh, you know, there was a church on every corner. Yes. Um, and there was, you know, we weren't perfect, never have been, but there was a intentional emphasis on believing what the Bible says and forming a morality and a worldview around it. Yes. That's been, that's long lost.
1: Long lost. Yeah. And the reality is, is when you're not making disciples, you have no one to send.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, that, that's the indictment against the church right now is, we, we're a mission field because we stopped making disciples. Yeah, And so when you're not making disciples, and that's 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 the, the simplicity and the power of the Great Commission, right? Because we're not told to make missionaries. We're not told to make pastors. We're not told to make teachers, leaders, tithers, church right. members. Right, right, right. We're not told to make any of that. At the end of the day, we're told out of that, make disciples and when we do that we get the rest of all of that Mm -hmm. but when we try to make those things and then label it as discipleship or call them disciples yeah it fails
0: and and if i can you know one of the things that that i've come to realize working for lfbi and and rubbing shoulders with other seminaries and other uh christian universities and things like that is that is that and 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 you know the people of these institutions they're, they're, they admit this much is that because the local church doesn't do what it's supposed to All do right. so often yeah. um, the churches have no choice but to send their best and brightest to get discipled at, at seminary when um, you know I think the unique position of LFBI is that we are encouraging people to remain in their local churches in order to get discipled in order to grow in ministry. And we just, want to, we just want to facilitate further growth by, by providing deeper biblical teaching that supports whatever's happening in local churches yes. so that they themselves can, can produce through discipleship, through ministry, the future missionaries, leaders, and, and pastors of our world. Absolutely. Because that's how it's supposed to work.
1: That's exactly how it's supposed to work. I had the privilege some years ago now to disciple a young man who had graduated from a traditional Bible college for mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. So he spent several hours and several thousands of dollars to, to get that education. And, and, uh, he landed at the Kansas city Baptist temple and it worked out where I was fortunate to be able to meet him and disciple him. And the very first meeting that we had, I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, I know the Bible. What I don't know is I don't know how to do ministry. Mm-hmm. So here's a young man who has spent that much time and that much money, and he had no concept on how to actually, he wasn't established in ministry. Right, right. <laughs> you know, And so through the discipleship ministry of our local church, uh, we have a number of people who are well on their way with respect to
0: serving God with their best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. absolutely to get back to the way that we approach discipleship. Sure. In our philosophy, there is a master apprentice relationship because that's what we see in in discipleship in scripture. Right. Moses, Joshua, Mm -hmm. Elijah, Elisha, Jesus, his disciples, right? Um, And of course, Paul and Timothy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What is, what is the dynamic within the pastor-apprentice relationship? How should that be approached? And uh, why is that critical for the proper outcomes?
1: It's very, very critical. This is interesting. I'm, I'm glad that you, you brought this up because this is very interesting. Mm-hmm. In our circle, there'll be a number of people who are familiar with the 16 lessons, Right, I, mm-hmm. was, I was disciple yeah. through those, and
0: yeah, the, the the discipleship material used to have sixteen. Now it has eighteen Correct. in our material, but we a lot of us grew up under the teaching of sixteen lessons. Correct. So anyway,
1: many people have that, and it's great whether you use mm-hmm. that or you use sure. the, the eighteen. Yeah, of course, uh, that, that, that's fine. But the reality is, you can use that tool and still not make a disciple. Yeah, right. That's if 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 at the end of the day. This is simply transactional mm-hmm. every week we get together where I 'm just going to sit and lecture you for two hours, and you know so we cover this lesson, we cover that lesson, and so I just talk at you for nine to twelve months. Mm-hmm. I've not made a disciple,
0: yeah, and the danger is that you've actually just made someone who's arrogant and full of knowledge you have yeah and
1: and you've you've given them a false <laughs> paradigm
0: for what discipleship is, right.
1: right. And so let's let's keep going back to where you started about the the survey from Baylor University mm-hmm. about how few people evangelize. So when Jesus is recruiting his disciples, what does he say? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah.
1: that's the goal. Yep. Okay, that's that's where we're going. This this is this is what this is going to look like. Well, how did he teach them how to become fishers of men? He took them fishing for men. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He didn't just sit down and tell them about it and talk yeah. about strategies and methods. He took them fishing for men. Yeah, You know, one of the reasons that so few believers evangelize is because in churches where the discipleship model is flawed or compromised, you have people who can actually go through the 16 or the 18 lessons and never actually see their disciple or evangelize. Mm-hmm. That that'd be like the twelve never seeing Jesus fish for men. Right. It's unfathomable. Yeah. And so when it becomes just informational or instructional, it's a problem. There has to be a healthy balance between it being instructional and experiential.
0: Mm.
1: Right. Think think about a lot of the things, some of the experiences that the that the twelve had with Christ, things that they witnessed. Yeah. I mean, the feeding of the five thousand, they were there. Yeah. Right. They saw God do what only God could do. I mean, all the things that they got to experience and package with what they were learning, it gave them the full and proper experience. And so it's critical for the discipler to understand that, and this is one of the things that I always communicate early on when I'm when I'm discipling someone is that wherever I am, I want you there. Mm-hmm. Right, one one of our core verses that you know that we we lean on, rightfully so, is 2 Timothy two verse two, and we focus obviously on you know committing to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, right. and that's great. We want that, but what Paul says in the beginning of that, uh, he basically says the, the things that thou has has heard of me among many witnesses. Where mm-hmm. how could, how could Timothy have heard that? If he wasn't with Paul, mm-hmm. he was with him. Yeah, right. I mean, go, going back to to Jesus, follow me. Come yeah. with me. Yeah. I'm calling you into a relationship with me. It's not just go do something for me. I'm calling you to come do something with me. Right. So again, just like parenting, right? I mean, from the moment we bring our children home, what do we do? We start teaching. We yeah. start training. Okay, let's get you on a sleep schedule. Let's get you to the point where you can feed yourself, you can dress yourself, all of that. Well, two things are happening. There's there's a there's a teaching avenue that's that that we're taking mm-hmm. where they're learning and we're yes. teaching them things. Verbal transfer.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: But then that's happening in the context of an intimate relationship yeah. between parent and child.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And discipleship is no different. You know, our children are going to learn as much from what they see in us as they hear from us. And the same is true in discipleship. That disciple, I want them in my life, and I want to be in their life. Mm -hmm. If we don't do that, we're kidding ourselves at best about making disciples indeed.
0: So we really, you know, I wanted us to uncover a lot of the... um... I want to present the concepts, but I also wanted to uncover the difficulty of it. Like what we're, what we're suggesting, uh, it's not pretty. It's tough. Sure. It's hard work. Sure. It's serious business. Absolutely. Um, and we want to make sure that people are fully aware that, that, that the philosophy of discipleship that Living Faith Bible Institute and Living Faith Churches in general uh, hold to is one that is a very costly and it is um very, very intentional, yes, if pastors hear this, which they will um, if if pastors stumble upon living faith fellowship's website or they come to one of our conferences mm-hmm. uh or they hear about what god's doing, which they do, sure, and then they they decide that they want to implement this approach to discipleship versus maybe the programmatic forms that they've been accustomed to or the the, you know, the cultural anecdotal forms of discipleship that sure. they've been exposed to. They want to do something that is more intentional. What are the difficulties uh, and the pitfalls and the conceptual hurdles that they will face as they try to execute this type of discipleship?
1: You know, the, the first thing would be, and and we touched on this a moment ago about, this is not microwavable, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be patient. You have to be patient. So we said that discipleship is parental in scope, and it is. Not to be graphic or inappropriate, but I think this is fitting. You're not going to train children in the way they should go without changing diapers along the way. Mm-hmm. It's part of it.
0: Mm-hmm. The children. Yeah.
1: that's what they do right. right and so you have to deal with that you use the word messy at times discipleship is that it's messy mm-hmm. it takes time for people to grow just like it did us and just like it does us still mm-hmm. right yeah. so you have to be patient again you you have to divorce yourself from this lightning in a bottle microwave well if we do this our church is going to be outstanding in yeah. 6 months from now yeah you actually might face the toughest six months in the history of your church. Yeah. Because one of the things that is bound to happen, so when you use the word implement, if you're looking to implement this philosophy or this way of discipleship, then by default, you are implying that you're putting something in place that wasn't there before. Yeah. So now when you say, we want to hold people to the standard of being disciples indeed, meaning we want to make true disciples, that means now we're going from essentially, well, we've been holding services and the culture's been pretty comfortable and convenient mm-hmm. for everyone, to now what's all this accountability? Yeah. Was everybody getting in my business? And 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 why why does it seem like there's all these demands now? And because at the end of the day, in churches where there isn't a true discipleship culture in mm-hmm. place people get very comfortable doing whatever they want to do and not having the answer for it. Yeah, We've seen people walk through the doors of our church and they're excited. Mm-hmm. They love our diversity. They love our liberty. Uh, they love you know just the energy of Midtown. There's a lot to love and like about Midtown. We know we're always a work in progress, but but it is a, an exciting place to be. And they hear about discipleship and go, oh, this sounds outstanding. Where do I sign up? Let me do that. They sit through the class, and and really, in their heart, it's hypothetical. Mm-hmm. It's not until they sit down and get into the process. Right. And their discipler says, you know, hey, um, I noticed on your Facebook post the other day, you posted this. Mm-hmm. And that post was vulgar. It was grievous to the Spirit of God. It wasn't edifying to anyone. And so now I'm actually— Holding you accountable to that because remember our goals? Our goals, Mm -hmm. number one, is to see you establish in the worship of God. Do you think God is pleased with that? Right. We want to see you establish in the word of God. What you posted is not biblical. Now, (laughs) all that energy, the honeymoon of all that is gone. How dare you? Yeah, right. Who do you think you are? Yeah. Mind your own business. Yeah. Okay. And so now because they're, They've never had that accountability before, and so that will happen on some level mm-hmm. in a church that is implementing this, where people have been comfortable not having to answer for how they're living. Yeah, and in a, and 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 that's really it. In a discipleship culture, people do not get to live that way. Myself included. Right. You know, I, I know Sam loves me. I yeah, know pa- that Pastor he does. Sam Miles, head Sam pastor of our church. Yes, yeah. Sam loves me. I've seen Sam shed tears over me. I've seen Sam shed tears over you. I know how much he loves all of us, Mm -hmm. right? But I'm not mistaken. If I get outside the lines of the standard that I am held to, Sam and his love for me and his love for God will chastise me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And what you're speaking to, I think, is a a critical thing. And I think, you know, it's people listening should understand. I'm going to ask you this question. Is there any pastor on our staff that was not at some point discipled in this philosophy of discipleship? No, no. Is there a single leader in our church, elder, teaching elder, uh, someone who oversees ministry, children's ministry worker in our entire church that has not been discipled in this philosophy of discipleship? Absolutely not. And so what we're saying is that this is not, this is not some sort of exclusionary process no. that we hold baby believers to when they show up. This is something that all of us have done and are doing and live by. Sure. It it becomes the culture, which is why, despite the fact that you're a pastor, you are open to being held accountable yes. because you were taught once upon a time, I won't name the date of when it was, <laughs> some, somewhere in the 90s. Yes. Early 90s. Yes. <laughs> Someone taught you what accountability was. Someone invested discipleship in you. Absolutely. And now this is the culture. But what we're saying is that none of this is easy. Like if this is going to happen, if a pastor says, I want that, it's, it's not going to be easy, but it will be worth it. And your children and your children's children will thank you that you discover a more biblical approach to investment. Yes. Then you realize that Sunday mornings and, and entertaining the flock with exposition is, is not enough. It has to be more. The, our world needs more. It, the souls need more than that. Yes. Um, so, Kenny, you, you teach a class mm-hmm. called Realities of Biblical Discipleship. Right. And it is geared towards the leader, who is is learning to implement discipleship, whether it be in their own personal life or in the context of their ministry or in the context of the church as a whole. Maybe it's a pastor. Pastors take this class because they want to learn how to better execute discipleship in their churches. Can right. you tell us a little bit about the class and why folks should consider signing up for it? I think we're offering it this coming fall, fall of 2022.
1: Correct. So implied in the title when we, when we call it know, realities of biblical discipleship, we want to present a clear biblical visual of real discipleship, Mm -hmm. what it looks like. And I think if you are a pastor or leader in a local church that's overseeing discipleship, you must be crystal clear on what that is and what it looks like. Otherwise, you can't make disciples indeed Mm -hmm. if you don't know that. Yeah, they're looking to you for vision. Absolutely. And so, what we want to do in this class is we want to unpack that for you, and we want to walk you through all the different elements of what real discipleship looks like. A lot of what we talked about today is is what we focus on in the class, and we do it, you know, uh, in a more detailed and exhaustive way, if you would just was mm-hmm. have more time. But but one of the things that that we that we mentioned in a class is that. Every discipleship leader, right? If you're overseeing discipleship in your local church, the temptation to negotiate the terms will be there. Mm-hmm. There will be people within your congregation. We mentioned earlier, you know we we have a we have people that come through our doors that land here and learn about what we're doing in discipleship, and some of them just say this is just. This is just yeah. too crazy. Yeah. Like you yeah, you, this is unreasonable. There's no way that you can hold people to this, right? Mm-hmm. And so we we want to walk the discipleship leader or pastor through this to say why you have to stick to the stuff, mm-hmm. why you have to hold to the standard. And so we, we just provide as many tools as we can to to help you not only implement a biblical discipleship
0: ministry but sustain and maintain it very very well yeah that's good kenny thank you so much for spending this time with me it's always fun and i am praying that 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 people recognize the need for um for realities in their life realities of of biblical discipleship in their life i'd love to have them come join me Yeah, yeah cool so thank you so much for listening um man so many of our listeners um have heard about discipleship uh, many of our listeners have been through discipleship and you're discipling other people now. We pray that today's episode would, you know, be an encouragement to you, a challenge to you to uh, continue on and to learn and to grow and to continue to perfect and mature your discipleship uh, in your local church in the context in which you're doing it. Uh, but we also want to encourage you, uh, come to LFBI. Come learn God's word. The more you know of God's word, the more you know of ministry leadership, you will only grow in your ability to disciple. Uh, LFBI is not for just pastors and future missionaries. It is also for leaders, leaders in the local church, anyone uh, who is making a ministry investment ought to learn the word of God in a way that they can can themselves employ it uh, in discipleship, in the discipleship process. Your church will benefit from it. You will benefit from it. And uh, your judgment seat uh, will benefit from it the day you stand before Christ. We love you. Uh, We're grateful for you. Anytime we get to spend with you is precious to us. Uh, Please stay tuned for more episodes every Monday, uh, as well as on Wednesdays, uh, we will have uh, the PS Plus for you, Uh, which is a deeper dive theologically, 10-minute segments on theological topics. Uh, And then also every other Wednesday, uh, we are doing episodes devoted to testimonies of students from LFBI. We want you to join us in that as well. God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.